The temperance work. Of all who claim to be numbered among the friends of temperance, Seventh-day Adventists should stand in the front ranks. For many years a flood of light concerning the principles of true reform has been shining on our pathway, and we are accountable before God to let this light shine to others. Years ago we regarded the spread of temperance principles as one of our most important duties. It should be so today. Our schools and sanitariums are to reveal the power of the grace of Christ to transform the whole being, body, soul, and spirit. Our sanitariums and other educational institutions should be centers of light and blessing in the cause of every true reform. We need at this time to show a decided interest in the workers of the Women's Christian Temperance Union. None who claim to have a part in the work of God should lose interest in the grand object of this organization in temperance lines. It would be a good thing if at our camp meetings we should invite the members of the WCTU to take part in our exercises. This would help them to become acquainted with the reasons of our faith and open the way for us to unite with them in the temperance work. If we will do this, we shall come to see that the temperance question means more than many of us have supposed. In some matters, the workers of the WCTU are far in advance of our leaders. The Lord has in that organization precious souls who can be a great help to us in our efforts to advance the temperance movement. In the education our people have had in Bible truth and in a knowledge of the requirements of the law of Jehovah will enable our sisters to impart to these noble temperance advocates that which will be for their spiritual welfare. Thus a union and sympathy will be created where in the past there has sometimes existed prejudice and misunderstanding. I have been surprised as I have seen the indifference of some of our leaders to this organization. We cannot do a better work than to unite, so far as we can do so without compromise with the WCTU workers. We have a work to do along temperance lines besides that of speaking in public. We must present our principles and pamphlets and in our papers. We must use every possible means of arousing our people to their duty to get into connection with those who know not the truth. The success we have had in missionary work has been fully proportionate to the self-denying, self-sacrificing efforts we have made. The Lord alone knows how much we might have accomplished if as a people we had humbled ourselves before Him and proclaimed the temperance truth in clear, straight lines. Subheading, A Right Use of the Gifts of Providence our Creator has bestowed His bounties upon man with a liberal hand. Were all these gifts of providence wisely and temperately employed, poverty, sickness, and distress would be well-nigh banished from the earth. But alas, we see on every hand the blessings of God changed to a curse by the wickedness of men. There is no class guilty of greater perversion and abuse of His precious gifts than are those who employ the products of the soil and the manufacture of intoxicating liquors. The nutritive grains, the healthful, delicious fruits are converted into beverages that pervert the senses and madden the brain. As a result of the use of these poisons, thousands of families are deprived of the comforts and even the necessaries of life, acts of violence and crime are multiplied, and disease and death hurry myriads of victims to a drunkard's grave. This work of destruction is carried on under the protection of the laws of the land. For a paltry sum, Men are licensed to deal out to their fellow men the potion that shall, shall rob them of all that makes this life desirable 
and of all hope of life to come. Neither the lawmaker nor the liquor seller is ignorant of the result of this work. At the hotel bar and the beer garden, at the saloon, the slave of appetite expends his means for that which is destructive to reason, health, and happiness. The liquor seller fills his till with the money that should provide food and clothing for the family of the poor drunkard. This is the worst kind of robbery. Yet men in high positions in society and in the church lend their influence in favor of license laws. The society is corrupted. Workhouses and prisons are crowded with paupers and criminals, and the gallows is supplied with victims. The evil ends not with the drunkard and his unhappy family. The burdens of taxation are increased. The morals of the young are imperiled. The property and even the life of every member of society is endangered. But the picture may be presented never so vividly, and yet it falls short of the reality. No human pen can fully delineate the horrors of intemperance. Subheading, The Cause of Moral Paralysis How can Christian men and women tolerate this evil? There is a cause for the moral paralysis upon society. Our laws sustain an evil which is sapping their very foundations. Many deplore the wrongs which they know exist, but consider themselves free from all responsibility in the matter. This cannot be. Every individual exerts an influence in society. In our favored land, every voter has some voice in determining what law shall control the nation. Should not that influence and that vote be cast on the side of temperance and virtue? We may call upon the friends of the temperance cause to rally to the conflict and seek to press back the tide of evil that is demoralizing the world. But of what avail are all our efforts while liquor selling is sustained by law? Must the curse of intemperance forever rest like a blight upon our land? Must it every year sweep like a devouring fire over thousands of happy homes? We talk of the results, tremble at the results, and wonder what we can do with the terrible results, while too often we tolerate and even sanction the cause. The advocates of temperance fail to do their whole duty unless they exert their influence by precept and example, by voice and pen and vote in favor of prohibition and total abstinence. We need not expect that God will work a miracle to bring about this reform, and thus remove the necessity for our exertion. We ourselves must grapple with this giant foe, our motto, no compromise and no cessation of our efforts till the victory is gained. What can be done to press back the flowing tide of evil? Let laws be enacted and rigidly enforced, prohibiting the sale and the use of ardent spirits as a beverage. Let every effort be made to encourage the inebriates' return to temperance and virtue, but even more than this is needed to banish the curse of inebriety from our land. Let the appetite for intoxicating liquors be removed, and their use and sale is at an end. This work must, to a great degree, devolve upon parents. Let them, by observing strict temperance themselves, give the right stamp of character to their children, and then educate and train these children in the fear of God to habits of self-denial and self-control. Youth who have been thus trained will have moral stamina to resist temptation and to control appetite and passion. They will stand unmoved by the folly and dissipation that are corrupting society. The prosperity of a nation 
is dependent upon the virtue and intelligence of its citizens. To secure these blessings, habits of strict temperance are indispensable. The history of ancient kingdoms is replete with lessons of warning for us. Luxury, self-indulgence, and dissipation prepared the way for their downfall. It remains to be seen whether our own republic will be admonished by their example and avoid their fate. Review and Herald, November 8, 1881.